When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 70, Part A, The Military Dollar. Hey Chainers, welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Walsh. All right, Katie. So today we're hanging out with someone that's really, really cool. And I have to be completely frank, I had no idea what to ask her. <laughs> I I know you didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so we're chatting to Military Dollar, who's an anonymous blogger. That's based here in DC. Military Dollar is obviously in the military and she blogs a lot about military related finance stuff. And honestly, I had no idea. Like as a foreigner to the United States, like military is not nearly as ingrained into like my sort of upbringing as what it is in America. And like the whole concept of, you know, veterans, non-veterans, like that shit just doesn't exist. <laughs> Well, I knew that I knew you wouldn't know, um, but that's fine. I have always had an interest in being in the military. I never actually committed and joined, but I reached out to a couple of my friends who have enlisted and a couple are officers and a couple are deployed right now. And I was like, what do you want to know? I have like the perfect person. Any questions you have? Tell me and I will ask her. Right. And it was such a great interview and such a great conversation that it was actually really long. So instead of having like an hour and a half podcast episode, I took different, not different parts, but I took the last part and I made it into a separate part. Right. So... What, to so, make it a little easier yeah, on like the it's listening. it's a little bit easier to listen to. And, and it's a lot of really great information. Like yeah, some, there's, there's a ton of great benefits and stuff in this podcast. So if you're in the military or you have a family member that's in the military, this or podcast... Or a friend yeah. or anything. And a This lot is of, definitely for you. <laughs> a lot of our podcasts are, you know, kind of back and forth. Like, and it's more joking and everything. This podcast, I think there's a lot of benefit from. Yeah, there's a lot of value. And and I think it it answers a lot of questions that a lot of people have and they they just don't know. No. And it's it's frightening to not realize what you don't know. Yeah, definitely. Like ignorance is not very blissful. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> All right. Should we dive right in? To the first part. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Hey, Chainers. One of the greatest things about America is that we have such an amazing military. Because of them, we get to go about our everyday lives with much less threat than other places in the world. Today, we are super excited to have a military member and personal finance wizard to help explain to us some of the perks that military people get and how to manage money while serving. 
Military Dollar is a personal finance blog that caters to men and women in uniform and has been featured on sites such as Rockstar Finance. Welcome. Hey. Hi, thanks for having me and for calling me the wizard. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I do want to get started with one small thing that I have to do beforehand. So this is my little disclaimer. Um, all ex- opinions that I express are my own. They may not reflect the views of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, or the United States Air Force. So there you go. We're good now. I can say whatever I want. Okay, awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so real quick, because I battled when I was younger to go into the military, to not go into the military, and I went back and forth with it. Um, for quite a while, actually, and I was in like ROTC in high school. What yes. kind? Of, what what made your decision to join the military? Um, okay, so it's a little bit complicated. My backstory: um, it starts in the third grade. Um, I do not come from a military family, um, so when I was in the third grade. Um, I got really interested in space and I decided that I wanted to be an astronaut and I decided that the best way to become an astronaut, like the most likely way to get me there would be um, to join the Air Force and become a pilot. Hmm. So that was my plan. And uh, then I turned out like I really like flying, but I don't like flying like on a schedule or where they tell me to fly or when they tell me to fly and how they tell me to fly. So um, (laughs) so I uh, when I was in college, I decided to um, change my focus. But by that point, I was also in ROTC in high school and in college, and I absolutely loved the Air Force culture. Um, So I stuck with the Air Force. I just got rid of the pilot part. That's really cool. So uh, how long have you been a part of the military? I just hit 14 years recently. That's active duty time. Um, so that doesn't count any of the high school or college stuff. Wow. Good for you. And thank you for your service. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so you uh, said earlier that you were in the Air Force and you liked that, uh, like the environment with the Air Force. What was it that really attracted you? Um. So honestly, I never really considered any of the other branches. Um, I'm very nerdy person. Uh, I am I am not the kind of person that likes to go out on ten mile rucks and carrying heavy things and lifting heavy things. And uh, I'm not really I like to shoot, but I don't like to shoot all the time. So the Air Force is really the best fit for me. It's the nerdy brainy service. Um, that's more of who I am rather than like running around in the mud. I would have to agree with you. I think if I would have joined, like there's, I had a friend who was in the army and he was like, oh, I'm on deployment. I'm going to go sleep in a hole tonight. And yeah. I was just like, that sounds awful. I was, I, it's fun to do for a couple of days at a time, but the Air Force, when we deploy, usually has like nice, more permanent type of structures and, uh, you know, cable TV and stuff. And <laughs> makes things a little bit easier. I would, I would. <laughs> I would go the same way you did. What are some of your favorite parts to being a veteran? Um, well, I'm not sure whether you're asking like financial perks or just in general, but I would say um, all the crazy stuff that I've gotten to do just because I'm in the military and that a civilian would never get to do. So I have, you know, been on an aircraft carrier, like sailing through the Straits of Hormuz in the Arabian Gulf. I guess it's not sailing, but 
uh, steaming. I don't know what they call it, moving through the Arabian Gulf. Um, I have flown in an F-16. I have fired a minigun, which is actually not mini at all. It's pretty large, um, out of a helicopter, like shooting up a truck on the ground. Um, you know, I, I get to travel. I've, I've lost count. I think it's like 11 or 15 different countries that I've been to. Um, and I'm paid to go to them. Like, that's awesome. So it's all those kinds of things that uh, I just would not have the opportunity to do if I was a civilian. That's really cool. So yeah. what sort of sparked your interest in blogging then as well? Um, so I've been interested in money for a very long time. Um, and I, I'm on a women's officer group on Facebook and I became kind of the like go-to person to ask financial questions to because our military pay and benefit system is just kind of it's weird we have all sorts of different things that are not normal and that you need special information to figure out um so i became known as like the expert for that and they kept asking me to start a blog and i kept saying no i don't have enough time for that um but then they kept asking and asking and asking and i finally was like okay i'm just gonna do it um so i started one and i passed my year point a little less than a month ago so i i'm almost at 13 months now that i've been blogging congratulations thanks (laughs) it's definitely a milestone and like trying to keep at it i think most people give up in the first six months you know they get very frustrated they have big plans and they realize that it's actually a tough thing to do well and it's so time consuming and then you put in all the time to write everything out and then get it uploaded and then I thought that people were just going to like flock to everything that I wrote. And <laughs> well, it's the internet. Everyone is going to yeah. see it, right? Uh, that's not <laughs> it's the so case. Easy. That's not the case. And a little bit heartbreaking the first, second, and third time you learn that. Because the first, the first post, I was like, all right, well, there's nothing there. And then the second post, I was like, okay, well, it wasn't that great. And the third post, I was like, come on, like, why is nobody reading it? So, yeah. Um, when, when I told all of these people I don't have the time to start a blog, um, I was right. Uh, it takes up so much time, <laughs> um, but it's really rewarding. And and the benefit that I had was that because I had all those people that were asking me to do this, um, I had a built-in audience. So I was never one of the people who only had like my mom reading my blog. Actually, she has never read my blog. Um, So I always had at least a small audience built in. So that was nice. I knew people were reading it from the very beginning. Um, But yeah, you're right. In order to actually grow it and expand beyond that group of people has taken a ton of work. Yeah, but like it's also about your niche as well. You know, it seems that you really have identified something that really resonates with people that are like minded, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, Like I said, we have a very interesting way of getting paid and we have different programs that are um, not available to civilians. Uh, So having that niche knowledge has really helped me and it helps them, too. And that's kind of, you know, that's the whole point is to help all these people that are, you know, not super familiar with all the benefits they have available to them. I think if everybody in the military knew all of the benefits that we had, um, they maybe wouldn't complain about their pay so much. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> there's a ton. <laughs> yeah. So 
I'm really excited because before our interview, I reached out to a bunch of people who I knew were in the military and I asked them some of the questions that they were kind of geared towards. So usually for interviews, I kind of create all the questions on my own. But for your interview, we have a lot of like listener participation. So I just want to let you know that a lot of our questions are from listeners. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, you talked earlier about how you've gotten to go to so many cool places while uh, being in the military. What is a recommendation that you have for a younger soldier uh, who's been away on deployment and has come home and now they have all this money that they are, it's just burning a hole in their pocket. Ooh, okay. Um, so first I would say, hopefully they made some smart choices before they deployed and while they were deployed. And, and ideally they wouldn't have a whole bunch of money burning a hole in their pocket because they would have been putting it aside while they were out there. Um, so I want to talk about a couple of things that they can do while they're deployed that would prevent them from having that huge amount of money when they got home. So the first is called the savings deposit program. This is a special savings account that you can only get while you're deployed. And it's a guaranteed government guaranteed 10% interest rate. Wow. Yes. <laughs> um, so I absolutely recommend everybody does that because it's zero risk. There's, I, I don't think there's anything better in the world. I would rather have 10% guaranteed than risk 20% in the market personally. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, you, there is a limit though on how much you can put into that. So if you don't max that out or cause you want to do something else or once you've maxed that out. The other thing is that we have our version of the 401k It's called the thrift savings plan. Um, so while a person is deployed and getting all of this extra money, I would recommend that they put all that extra money, anything that they can manage into the thrift savings plan, the TSP. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why, of course, everybody wants to max out their retirement accounts. But the reason you really want to do it while you're deployed is if you are in a deployment area that is considered a tax-free area, it's called a combat zone tax exclusion, yeah, CZTE, combat zone tax exclusion. When you're in a CZTE, all of your pay is non-taxed up to a certain point, but it's beyond what most people would ever be paid. Um, so you can get that money in totally tax-free and then you can put it into a Roth TSP and because you put it into a Roth, it would be tax-free coming out too. So you would never, ever, ever be taxed on this money. So between the TSP and the $10,000 that you can put into the savings deposit program, that's $28,500 in 2018 that you could be doing amazing things with. So hopefully you wouldn't come back with a ton of money in your pocket. Um, but if you were to come back with a ton of money in your pocket, um, you know, there's other things you can do. So let's say you have returned from your deployment and you have money burning a hole in your pocket. You can, you know, always use that money to live off of and up your contributions to your retirement accounts when you get back because money is fungible. You can live off of the money in your checking account instead of living off the money from your paycheck and just put more into it that way. Uh, if you absolutely have to buy something, I get it um, because, you know, you've been deprived for the entire time of your deployment and, you know, 
I prefer experiences. So I took my entire family to Disney World after one of my deployments. Oh, what oh a that's good awesome. Idea. That's so much <laughs> yeah. more fun than going and buying a car or yeah. something like that. You know, you know, in personal finance is personal. I like to always say that. So um, some people are going to prefer to buy a car. If you have no consumer debt and you're putting money into your retirement account and cars mean a lot to you, then go ahead and buy that car. Make sure it's a smart purchase. Um, but take care of yourself financially first. Make sure you're doing those other things first. Do you think a lot of people struggle when they come back from post-deployment and suddenly they have this almost influx of money that they are not accustomed to having? Like they've like lost... Um touch with reality a little bit right yeah yeah i've always wondered that too like okay you've kind of been out you know and now you're back into like real life yeah it can be strange there's some deployment locations where you can still spend a relatively normal amount of money um but if you're in the middle of nowhere in afghanistan you might not have bought much of anything for say six to nine months at a time. Um, so some people buy things just to buy them, just to have the act of buying. Um, so you just you just need to be smart about it. The same as always. Um, make sure that you're not spending money just to spend money. Do something smart with your money. Buying stocks is always a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> so what do you recommend as far as all of the offers? When should you accept deals, examples like credit cards, uh, lenders? I know like on the news you hear, well, just in general media, you hear a lot of special offers for um, any military or veterans or family of. Like how do you sort of know what is a good offer and, and what and are there sometimes cases where you feel taken advantage of almost and they are trying to go after people that don't know any better? Oh, that's a really good question. Okay, so... I'm going to answer the second part first. Um, the deals that are not good and you, you know, is companies trying to take advantage. Um, it is really, really common outside of military bases for there to be payday pay landers and um, like used cars sales because they know that we have steady jobs and steady paychecks and a lot of people are very young and may not be super financially smart uh, and they will take advantage of these people it's not unheard of to hear about car loans at like 25 percent interest holy cow yes <laughs> um so i you know maybe one day i will actually be able to talk to the brand new people in the military and catch them before that happens but unfortunately a lot of them have already bought the car by the time they hear about me or other uh, military money bloggers um so what i would recommend to everybody who listens is tell everybody you know and you know they can tell 10 people and they can tell 10 people that just take a moment <laughs> And think about those things um, because some deals truly are bad. Now, that being said, some deals are good. And there's a lot of deals that were offered as military that really are good. So you just have to think about if it if it meets a need. Right. So I'm going to be buying a car here pretty soon because I'm going to be moving out of D.C. Uh, I sold my car when I got here because I didn't need it. But at my next studio location, I'm going to need a car. So I'm going to take advantage of you know, the military discount that they're going to give me, it's usually like four to $500 just utterly for free that I just get when I buy a car. But obviously I wouldn't buy a car 
to get the four or five hundred dollars. So just take advantage of the deals when they make sense, when it's something you're going to do. You know, if I go to the movie theater and they give me a dollar off the ticket, then I'm going to take the dollar off ticket for the military ticket. But I'm not going to go to the movie that if I don't want to, I, you know, just there. I don't know if you've ever heard like the little it's a little scenario, basically. But, you know, they say that um, buying a ten dollar item on sale for five dollars, if you don't need that item, it's not saving you five dollars. You're just spending five dollars you didn't intend to spend. Your so true. Your example actually reminds me of. So years ago, I tried couponing to try to save money. And I would go through the Sunday paper and I would clip all the coupons and I would have like newspaper all over my living room and I would clip all these coupons and then I would take them to the store with me and then I would end up buying all this stuff that I never have bought before. And I would only buy it because I had like a 50 cent off coupon and I might use that whatever it was like two years from now. So I might as well save the 50 cent. And I ended up just spending even more money than I usually did. It's a trap. <laughs> I it fell is for a trap. it. I did the exact same thing. And I ended up buying all this food that I had never eaten before and didn't really want and was all junk food because that's what they have coupons for. Yeah. When when you can get like a whole bag and a half of candy for like $5, like, well, why not? Yeah. And then and then you trick yourself and you're like, you know, I'll save it for like trick, like Halloween when kids are trick or treating or I'll save it for this or that. That's a lie. Don't even lie to yourself. You're going <laughs> to no, go you're home gonna and you're going to eat the whole thing. <laughs> and it probably wasn't even that good in the first place. <laughs> I ate so many weird things when I was couponing. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what uh, when you were talking about. I was like, that kind of reminds me of back when I tried that couponing thing. Back when everybody was talking about it and people were like being paid to go to like Walgreens and get stuff there and then they would walk out with all their purchases and then they Walgreens would end up owing them money. <laughs> I still don't know how that ever works. I think some people get that right, but the bulk of people don't. No. <laughs> that is, I, I know Walgreens has never paid me to buy anything from them. Right. So right. I must've been doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so going back, I know we talked about um, people coming home from deployment and everything. I do have one more question, though, because I know that a lot of people tend to get in a little bit of trouble because they don't look at their paychecks as closely as they should. Um, And then they have to back pay either because of divorce or children or, you know, they didn't have something set up when they were deployed. Are there any other kind of like emergency funds just for like that kind of thing? Uh, so there, I I think what you mean by emergency funds, are you talking about, um, like, is there a program to help them if that happens? Yeah. Like if they go, um, away on deployment or if they end up having children and then they get a divorce or something, something that an occurrence that would leave them in debt. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few things, um, So if something actually catches them totally by surprise and all of a sudden they have a huge amount of money that they need to pay, um, the first thing that I would do, and this is what I did when um, I owed back pay because 
the military doesn't always get your pay right the first time. Um, so about, I don't know, two years after I joined the military, the, my very first paycheck was very, very wrong. Like they gave me way too much money. And two years later, they came back for it. No. Oh. Yes. <laughs> um, so the first thing you should do, because the way that they do it is usually without warning, they will just stop paying you your paycheck. <laughs> so the first thing you need to do is go talk to finance. Um, because their default is to take all of the money at once. But if you actually go in, they will set up a payment plan. Um, so that's what I had to do. And I was very lucky because people had warned me that that was going to happen. So I actually had saved that money and, and set it aside for exactly that purpose for when they came back for it. Cause they always, they always figure it out. Um, but if, if this happens to you and you didn't realize it, so you mentioned divorce, um, I'll explain to the listeners just real quick why that's important. If you are married and you have dependents, so either a spouse uh, or children, a non-military spouse or children, you get paid a little bit extra um, to help take care of them. So that comes under your housing allowance. So if you were to get a divorce, or if you are no longer responsible for the children, so if, if the other person has full custody, for instance, you would no longer get the with-dependent rate. So they might discover that they've been paying you too much. Let's just say it's $300 a month for six months. So all of a sudden you owe $1,800 back to the government. And, and the fact that they didn't catch it earlier is not an excuse. They're still going to get their money. Um, if you all of a sudden owe this money back, there are uh, relief societies set up by each of the um, the services, so the Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, um, and you can ask them for help. Um, different rules apply in different organizations. Um, some will give you a no interest loan. Some will give you a grant, depending on what the emergency is. Um, some will give you a low interest loan. So it just depends. And there, it's not, there's actual uh, organizations called Relief Society. But when I'm saying Relief Society, I'm doing lowercase r and lowercase s. So there's other organizations that you can ask for help. Basically, you would just go to your first sergeant or your chaplain or somebody that can help you out and say, hey, what are my options? And they're going to know the different organizations on base that can help you with these things. Um, and the one thing that I would say, if I can send out a message to all the military listeners is do not be afraid to ask for help. So many people get in trouble in the military for things that if they had just asked for help earlier, it would not have been a problem. So it is much better for you to say, hey, I don't know how to pay this $2,000 debt. Can you help me? Than it is to not pay the $2,000 debt. And then six months later, you've lost your security clearance and you're getting kicked out of the military. So ask for help. That is definitely such good advice. And I think even as a non-military person, you can kind of take some value out of that where a lot of times if you are having trouble paying a bill or something, there's always some kind of a negotiation if you bring it up and try to acknowledge it first. Yeah, like you definitely want to be on the side of time. You, you want to make sure that you're approaching your creditor instead of your creditor approaching you once you haven't paid for a couple months. And you definitely have a lot more bargaining as well because at the, at the end of the day, the creditor wants to get paid, you know, and they'd rather take... Um, like 
80 cents in the dollar or they'd rather take the money over a longer period of time, then you just default because if they had not negotiated a plan, you could have gotten paid out or you could have actually then made the payments. Right. Or, yeah. Or they could set up something where maybe they raise the interest rate, which, or they push it back. Or like you said, they stretch it out, which is not ideal, but it is a lot better than it showing negatively on your credit. Absolutely. And getting all of those harassing phone calls. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants that. No. So, <laughs> Katie just finished a post on that. So. <laughs> oh, nightmare. And the, timing. Wor- the worst part was I ha- it was for two. It was a really rough week for me real quick. So it, I had a car loan and a medical bill that from last year that I paid off no problem. And I kind of, you know, I paid it off. It's good. I forgot about it. And then in the same week, they both called me and they're like, um, you've defaulted on this loan. <gasps> and I was like, no, I haven't. Like, I've, I've sold the car. Like, I paid off the medical bill. Like, I, this was supposed to be done. And they went into the records and they were like, oh, yeah, you're right. It, they, it just was not documented properly. Oh, my and God. And <laughs> it, was, it was like frightening the first time they called, but then they both called again. And so that's when I reached out and I was like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And that's when people said, you know, get it in writing and get all the information you can. And thankfully, I have called and hounded them and fingers crossed they have not called this week. (laughs) So So did did you get something in writing? It's supposed to be coming. This all happened like very recently, like the beginning of May. Like... My heart is beating faster on your behalf. Yeah. Because that's so scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I didn't even think about it. I was like, yay, I got rid of the car. This is great. And it never occurred to me to get anything in writing from the lender. So lesson learned. And all the paperwork is supposed to be in the mail. I've been calling my lenders and the creditor constantly. I feel like I'm on a first name basis with them. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so... I was talking to um, a friend a while ago who was newly married and we were young when we were having this conversation, actually, like in our early 20s. And her new husband had been going away on deployment and she was not sure how to work like paying the bills while he was gone. He was the one who was typically paying the rent and paying the electric bill and the utilities and everything. Are there any kind of options for like a military family to just kind of have it streamlined and so that the family at home doesn't have to worry about it? Or what did you kind of recommend for that? Okay. So um, I've been deployed a couple of times and I'm not married and I wasn't leaving somebody behind in a house. Um, but I will talk about like how I got my bills paid. Um, So the first thing that I did is I gave power of attorney to my mother. So she's actually, every time I've been deployed, she has had powers of attorney to um, take care of all of my business. So um, I've given her access to my bank accounts. Um, She has a power of attorney to make decisions on my rental property. Um, She had power of attorney to make decisions and pay for my storage unit on one of my deployments. So that's one thing that I've done. I recommend even if the person is a spouse, I would still say it's not a bad idea to get those powers of attorney because you never know when the bank's going to suddenly decide that they're not 
going to allow the spouse to make decisions um, on behalf of the deployed member. So I would say that's always a good idea. Just, you know, make sure it's a person that you trust implicitly. Um, Another thing is automate whatever you can. So there are a few things that you can do to automate. The first is always, you know, just set up auto pay for all of your bills. Um, That's really easy. Anybody can do it. You could also for your mortgage or your rent, you can have it set up so that that comes directly out of your paycheck. So you don't have to worry about it at all. You don't need to remember it. Uh, You do need to check to make sure that it's actually been started because um, some Sometimes it takes a while for military pay to catch up, uh, so you'll need to pay attention to it. But once it's set up, you wouldn't have to worry about it for the whole time. You're gone. Um, And then the other thing is it's 2018. So we need to remember that um, for most people who are deployed, they're going to have access to the Internet. So if anything does come up, they're going to be able either from their work location or from the uh, recreation areas or the housing areas in their deployed location, they're going to have access to the internet most of the time. Um, If they're in a very remote location or if they're in the Navy and on a ship, they might have much more limited internet. Um, But a lot of people are still going to be able to pay their bills. So I've never had a truck trouble with any of this like i said i'm in the air force and we have all the gucci stuff so i've always had access to the internet for you know i i think the longest i ever didn't have access to the internet was like 12 days um but other than that it's been no problem whatsoever if you set up everything to pay automatically ahead of time you shouldn't really have to worry about anything the other thing to think about is um you can also have what's called a deployment pause on a lot of your bills. So for instance, if you're not going to bring your cell phone on the deployment, um, you could pause your cell phone service and then that bill isn't something you need to worry about while you're on. Um, You can do that for your cable and internet. You can do it. um, You can call for your car insurance and say, hey, my car is going to be in storage and they'll reduce the amount that you have to pay on your car insurance. And I mean, it goes down so low. I think for one of the times I was deployed, it was like $6 a month. So I just paid it all in advance and didn't worry about it. Yeah. That's if it's not going to be used at all whatsoever. Um, If it is still going to be used by a spouse or a friend or something, then obviously you need to keep the insurance on it. Um, But yeah, there's, there's a lot of things you can do, but automate, automate, automate. And then just as backup, I highly recommend powers of attorney. I guess you have a valid point that it is 2018. I don't know why when I think of deployment, I think of people like living in a tent in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's really, really a wrong idea in my head, but that's kind of how I have always thought about it. There are definitely still people who do that. And if we were to start a new conflict, um, it is like that at first, right? So... If uh, I don't want to pick a country because I don't want anybody to think that we're planning a war against another country. Um, <laughs> so if it, uh, what's a fake country name? Utopia. Um, OK, if we decide to go to war with Utopia um, for the first few months, there's going to be nothing set up and it's totally going to be exactly like that. There will be tents and the only buddy, the only people who will have Internet are the ones that like 
get the really expensive uh, satellite phone kind of coverage. Um, but as more things come in to theater, as they set up more permanent structures, as they bring in uh, internet, it, it becomes a lot easier. And so most people, when they deploy, are in... It's not really nice accommodations, but it's probably, um, it, it's not always tents, is what I'm trying to say. Oh. I'm going to guess. Or if it uh, is a tent, it's it's not the kind of tent you're thinking of. It's, it's the fancy tent. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I was going to guess, like, often when, like, you think of war as well, like, normally the country that it's in can be in harsh conditions as well. And I guess sometimes the accommodation that you're given in the military could even be better than how the local people live sometimes. I mean, it might be like if we think about, you know, right now in Syria, everything's rubble, not everything. Oh, God, nobody like quote me on that. Um, But but it's it's not it's not a great time over there. Yeah, there are entire cities in Syria that are rubble. So not all of Syria is, but um, Syria or I was just listening right before I got on with you guys. I was listening to a podcast uh, about Mosul, Iraq, and how that was, uh, you know, essentially flattened, um, trying to win it back from ISIS. So, yeah, um, yeah, and it, I, it it is it is not fun to live in a in a war zone. No, and no, I have a scary. I have a close friend who's in somewhere. I think maybe Syria. I don't actually really know where he is, but he has sent like pictures, and it's just like nothing in the background except for like desert yeah yeah depending on where you are (laughs) yeah anyway (laughs) (laughs) so talking about building homes and like purchasing homes veterans have quite a lot of mortgage loans um, that are kind of available to them and you always hear of options um, and they always say you know like if you're a veteran, there are special loans for you. So what is the name of the loan that most veterans will use? And is it like, is it different than buying a house with an FHA loan? Sure. So the loan that you're talking about is a VA loan. So uh, Veterans Administration is who runs it. Um, and whether or not it's better than an FHA loan or like a regular you know, conventional loan really depends on what you're looking for. So the reason that it's very appealing to military members is that you can get a house, you can buy a house with a house with as little as 0% down, um, which is really appealing to a lot of people. Uh, And you don't have to pay PMI, private mortgage insurance. So people can save money that way. Um, Now, it's not all good there is they have to pay for the loan somehow so you do have a va funding fee that you have to um, pay to use this loan but a lot of people just roll that right into the cost of the loan so um, you don't necessarily have to show up with twenty thousand dollars in your pocket in order to use a va loan which is why a lot of people like it um i would say be careful about using VA loans. Um, I have known people who use them to buy more house than they should because they can't qualify for a conventional loan. I would just be really careful about buying too much house if you're going to use a VA loan because it can be easy to say, oh, I don't have to bring any money to the table. I'm going to buy a $400,000 house. Um, So, you know, I would think about different options and find out what 
that loan would cost you if you could qualify for other types of loans and, you know, shop around. Maybe the FHA loan is better. Maybe a conventional loan is better if you do have a large down payment. Um, A VA loan is a great thing, but it's not the only thing that you can use. For myself, I've owned two houses since I've been in the military and I used a conventional loan on both of them. So you didn't even use the VA loan? I didn't. I kept that option available because you can only use so much VA loan at one time. So because I had enough money for the down payment on the conventional loans and I got good terms on the conventional loans, I decided not to use my VA loan benefit. And keep thinking. Yeah, I'm keeping it available. The other thing that uh, this is really important. VA loans have to be owner occupied. So you can't buy a rental property with a VA loan. Uh, A lot of Mm. people in the military end up um, uh, buying at different places and turning into landlords, uh, sometimes intentionally and sometimes not intentionally. Um, (laughs) So just keep in mind that if you are trying to buy a rental property, you're not going to be able to use a VA loan. I think you also can't use an FHA loan for that, but I'm not positive on that. Yeah. Good to know. I mean, we're obviously never going to qualify for the VA loan, but um, I remember when I was looking at buying a house, I, my realtor asked me if I qualified for the VA loan and then went on to tell me all the things that accompanied with it. And I was just at the time so bummed that I had never served in the military just because she made the VA loan sound so good. It can be really nice, um, especially... You know, I I made the point about see if you can qualify for another loan, just kind of compare them. The one thing about a VA loan, it's it's a risky thing. Um, (laughs) VA loans have lower lending standards. So somebody who would not qualify for another loan can qualify for a VA loan. That's good because it can get you into a house. But at the same time, again, Maybe there's a reason you don't qualify for yeah. another loan. And renting is not a bad thing, especially in the military when we're moving all the time. Um, it, I know it's the American dream to own a home, but owning a home is not always the best decision for people. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds dangerous for somebody if they can't qualify for anything else. Yes. I, I, suppose, but, I think it also just depends on your circumstances and where you're at as well in life. Yeah, it really does. I know some people who have taken advantage of VA loans and they have gotten excellent deals and um, have really succeeded through using the VA loan program. So I don't want to make it sound bad. It's it's a really nice program. It's just with all, anytime you're taking out hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, you need to be careful. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately what people need to remember too. It's yeah. not... The VA loan is not free money. It's you just don't have to put anything down. Yes. You have to weigh your options, basically. Yes. So let's talk about your blog a little bit. I saw that you recently wrote a post uh, about civilian. It's called the Civilian's Guide to Understanding Military Pay and Allowances. Yeah. And it was a long post and you had a lot of really great information in there. Can you tell us even like a little bit about it? Sure. So this was actually a special request by several people, um, all civilians who 
didn't really understand the military pay system and wanted to better understand it. So I made this post up. Um, like I said, the military pay system has a lot of quirks in it. So I, I decided to take the three main sources of uh, money in a paycheck if you're a military member and kind of explain how those work. So the three main sources are what's called basic pay, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's the basic amount that every person is paid. And then your housing allowance and your subsistence allowance. Subsistence means food, basically. You get paid to, to make sure that you have money for food. Um, and so I broke it down on how exactly each of those amounts are decided and how different people of different ranks and living in different areas would get different amounts of money. And then I, at the end, I gave some examples to show, um, you know, how much uh, that different people would get paid. Um, there's a really common belief amongst civilians and honestly also among military members that military people are paid less than minimum wage. Um, the reality is that's not true if you actually break it down. Um, military pay starts at the lower limits of middle class incomes and goes up from there. So I am well above um, what many people would consider middle class. I'm not, I'm not like super rich. Nobody gets upset. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I make six figures. Um, and part of that is because I, we live in DC and, and it's a very expensive area. So I get extra pay for that. Um, and part of it's because I'm an officer and I've been in the military for 14 years. So that's a long time. Um, but I also show in this post that even a very junior military member is easily making about the equivalent of about $40,000 a year as like a 20 year old, um, which is, it's not a small amount of money. Um, it's, it's a very, $40,000 is a very uh, normal paycheck for an individual. I don't want to say that it's the right paycheck because um, that's very subjective and different people do different things in the military and a person who um, is, you know, working at the gym is doing a different type of work than somebody getting shot at in Afghanistan. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to make a moral judgment on whether or not it's the right amount of money. I'm just trying to prove that it's not we're, we're not in poverty wow is that wow is really all i can say like this has been a ton of information i've learned so much katie i feel like your brain has exploded a little yeah, bit uh, it, it really has like i never understood like a fraction of what she was talking about you know like i just yeah like there's a whole world of finance that i would absolutely know inside and see which is very different for me <laughs> Welcome to America, Dad. <laughs> but I Finally, feel like... it's a little bit more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to be the end of this part of the episode. Yes. And we normally have the value link round. However, this is a special show as we split it to two. So you'll have to wait until next episode to hear what the military dollar has to say. <laughs> Catch you on the flip side.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.